0: Please From down here up north And in between But baby it's a shame Cause I always feel the same When I can't see Texas From here
1: Time now for Hear Me Out with your host, Betsy Esparsa. Hear Me Out is brought to you by Front Street Books, your hometown independent bookstore. The Texas State Senate, Senate Redistricting Committee published the first draft of a new map about 10 days ago, and Brewster County has been moved from Senate District 19 into Senate District 29, aligning us with several of the counties to the west, including El Paso. In our current district, parts of our rural West Texas area are lumped in with voters in the far western portion of Bear County and San Antonio. It's a very wealthy area with whom voters in places like Alpine, Marathon, and Terlingua likely have little in common. That urban area's voter turnout has very often determined the outcome of our state Senate election. Before I go further, I want to make sure it's understood that we're talking about the Texas Senate, not the U.S. Senate although that map was released a couple of days ago and we aren't affected by any changes. Roland Gutierrez is our state senator now. Currently, District 29 is represented by Cesar Blanco. Presidio and Jeff Davis counties have long been a part of that El Paso district. And if this draft holds, Brewster County will join them. I think there are a few notable notable differences. The district we're in has swung back and forth between Republican and Democrat representation over the last few years, while the El Paso district has remained solidly blue. Partisanship aside, I think Brewster County voters have more in common with the urban center in district 29, like water climate and border issues. Our demographics are similar and I think we can find more common ground. It's hard for someone to try to represent the interests of a teacher in Alpine and a banker in San Antonio. That's probably an oversimplification, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. I reached out to both senators Gutierrez and Blanco and Let me give them credit. I heard back from both of them. Senator Gutierrez, our current representative, made quick work of pointing out that the numbers are what they are and that El Paso needs to balance its district with about 60,000 people and it has nowhere to go but east. We'll talk more about what I mean by balance in a little bit. He said he would love to continue representing Brewster County and that the process is in the early stages, but that we should know more in the coming weeks and months. Gutierrez, by the way, filed a lawsuit September 1st saying very, very basically that the courts should take over redistricting duties because a delay in the census data leads the effort in a way that he and his co plaintiff say is unconstitutional. I received a statement from Senator Blanco's office this morning who agreed that the data and geography are locked in. But he also said, quote, I am very pleased with our proposed district and the addition of not just Brewster County, but also Pecos, Reeves, and Terrell Counties. The proposed proposed district will unite the Big Bend region and Far West Texas, which is currently split between two districts. I think uniting this area is important to ensuring the common interests and unique needs of the region are represented on the state level. The proposed district is a big and beautiful district, and its people are hardworking. I would be honored to serve and represent the new counties and families of Far West Texas." We're going to take a 30 second break. And when we come back, we'll talk to someone who knows a lot more about this than I do.
0: Don't know much about the Big Bend National Park or the Big Bend in general? Front Street Books is the all-info source for the whole area. From birds to wildlife, geology and hiking, maps and guides to make your visit the most enjoyable, Front Street has it all. Alpine and the Big Bend have so much to offer everyone. Front Street Books endeavors to be a supporter of all things important in our area. Informative programs and interviews are so valuable for our community. It is a pleasure to support them. Front Street Books thanks all those that participate in these community efforts.
1: We're back. So, lucky for us, we have experts at our fingertips. Dr. Jim Case is a professor of political science and public administration at Sol Ross State University. He is here. Welcome, Dr. Case.
2: Thank you very much.
1: So, define redistricting.
2: Redistricting. Redistricting is that process that occurs uh, after every census, so after every 10 years in which the uh, state legislatures are charged with the responsibility of redrawing districts who elect representatives uh, to uh, various uh, assemblies and, and legislatures so that those districts will contain as closely as possible the same number of people in each district. And it's a, it's a really important factor and consideration in the quality of, of democratic representation that we have. For example, in the classes that, that I've taught through the, through the years, uh, I discussed uh, redistricting as, as part of the formula for good representation. And our desire, of course, is to have a system of representation in which uh, the people, to, to the degree possible, each person's uh, vote and, and political impact through the vote is equivalent to another's. And we don't like the idea that some people may have more voting strength than other people have. It, it It's just... Uh, Uh, something that that violates our principle of equal protection. So uh, this whole redistricting process is very important in creating districts that contain approximately the same number of people. There's a certain amount of variation allowed so that each of our votes will be, to the degree we can make it so, equivalent to another voter in another district.
1: So tell us more about that variation. So um, both of the senators mentioned that um, El Paso needed to gain about exactly. 60,000 people yeah. because over p- over a period of 10 years, populations grow and change. And so certain variations are allowed, but all in an effort to make things as equal as possible. That's right. I think
2: yeah, a, a very minimal percentage variation is possible. What I'd like to do is go back to this whole idea of what even brought redistricting to the forefront in terms of politics. And because really the, the redistricting redistricting as, a, as an, a political movement and, and an effort uh, dates seriously back to the 1940s the late 1940s and what had happened at that point is that as I mentioned earlier is that the the practice is that every after every census every ten years the state legislatures are responsible for redrawing districts so that the populations for one district to the next will be will be equivalent essentially Uh but there was no enforcement of that, so that was federal mandate and federal law. But the states basically just chose not to not to uh, uh, redraw those districts and leave things as they were. So you had enormous population inequities that that grew up over the cent- over the uh, the 20th century. For example, from 1900 to to 1940, you had some enormous population inequities occurring in some of the the election districts, and beginning in the late 40s. Those persons whose voting strength was really being compromised compared to their their uh, fellow state citizens uh, took to the courts for redress. So, for example, the the earliest case uh, that I use in class anyway was a a, a court case called Cold Grove, Cold Grove versus Green, which was an Illinois case. And in the Cold Grove case, it related to the Illinois House of Representatives. And of course, you had big population shifts taking place in, in, during that twentieth century. And what had happened was that, the urban districts, like in Chicago, there's mm-hmm. one Chicago district that had 10 times the population, literally 10 times the population of the most rural district there in Illinois, which essentially meant that if you lived in that urban district, your voting strength was one tenth of a fellow Illinois in there in that, in that uh, other district. Uh, they took that to the courts. And the Supreme Court at that time uh, basically refused to hear the case because involved in this whole question of apportionment was the doctrine of uh, political questions, the political questions doctrine. At that point, the Supreme Court took the position that this was a legislative issue, not a judicial issue. So the, the Supreme Court was not going to provide judicial remedies uh, for something that was basically a legislative function. So we, we went ahead and, and lived with this for another uh, 10 or 12 years or so until we get into the 1960s. and You can imagine that some of those those inequities just continue to compound throughout the nation. So we then had the really, the really signal case uh, coming in about 19, uh, I think about 1962, and that was the case Baker versus Carr and right 1962. And that was a case in Tennessee, again related to the State House of Representatives, but you had essentially Memphis having an enormously larger population than the smallest Tennessee district. They took it to the Supreme Court. At that point, uh, in the Baker versus Carr case, the Supreme Court decided it would hear the case. So, basically, in that situation, the Supreme Court heard the case. It did not. It did not declare the redistricting system or uh, the design there in Tennessee to be unconstitutional. But the significance of that Baker case was that the Supreme Court ruled that apportionment is in fact a judicial issue. Therefore the courts do have a right to hear it. Then you had the doors open. And then from that point on, you had state after state filing cases. And, and for example, you had uh, you had the Withbury versus Sanders case that comes into play. Uh, you've got uh, Alabama versus Reynolds versus Sims. And, and basically what's happening is for example, uh, you have uh, state houses of representatives being brought before the Supreme Court, like in the Georgia case, in which the again, the claim is that Populations are are disproportionate; need to be remedied. And, and I'll just cut through this, uh, Bessie. But the reality of it is that the Supreme Court, in these cases, determined that population inequities were a violation of the constitutional rights of the people in those more populous districts. The principle that was really initiated is termed, at that time, it was termed one termed one man, one vote. Right. And one man, one vote simply meant that. Your voting strength in one district should be equivalent to the voting strength in, in another district. And what we had happening is, was that first the state houses of representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, fell. And then the Alabama case, Reynolds versus Sims, applied that principle to the state Senate, and you mentioned the Texas Senate. Senate districts are based upon population as well. US, the, the U.S. Senate is based upon the concept of state sovereignty. Every state gets two senators regardless. That principle does not hold at the state level. Uh, the district out of, of El Paso is not a sovereign entity. It does not have a right to one senator just like uh, the Brewster County would have or right. whatever. So the principle of one person, one vote was applied to the, the state senate districts and then of course it trickled down to the local governments. And actually Midland, Midland Texas case is one that defined that, where city councils, county uh, commissioners courts had to uh, apply the principle of one person, one vote, and had to draw their districts so that populations be essentially the same as well. So that's probably more than we needed to know, but that that was a trickles process. trickles all the way down. It trickles all the way. Hospital districts, school districts, uh, any elected r- district that's based upon representation uh, has to have districts drawn. They're all going to take a look. That's right. Take a they're look di- every ten years. Absolutely right, and redraw the district so you have basically equal populations.
1: Right. So when you look at the the district 19 that we're in right now um san antonio is really far away Mm -hmm. but in order for those lines to sort of get drawn equitably they had to come out pretty far they did to get that
2: number of people that's right i looked at the figures for example the texas house of representatives uh, each of the districts in the texas house there's 150 seats has to have 167,000 people in that district uh, the Texas Senate, eight hundred eleven thousand in that district, and we're talking about the Senate districts is one being redistricted that, that we're going to be moved around. Right. you've got to find the eight hundred thousand people plus, and so wherever you have to go to get them within right. the state that's where you're going to go. And
1: now El Paso doesn't have anywhere to go.
2: That's right. <laughs> but to come east, they have to come that's, out that's here right. to pick those people that's up. That's
1: right. And so <laughs> it, that's how that works out. That's right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about um, apportionment and gerrymandering. Okay. So, p- I think people hear gerry- the term gerrymandering a lot. That's right. Th- and it has a negative uh, connotation, and it does. as it should. Uh, but um, there, there's a difference, and and some, sometimes you see these sort of crazy lines, mm-hmm. and it looks crazy like somebody was trying to, That's you know, right. get away with something, <laughs> but. Really, they're trying to 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 find the people they need to make this equitable That's for right. everyone.
2: Yeah, well, gerrymandering is is a goes in tandem with apportionment because when you start drawing those districts, you have to have the same number of people. You still have to have you still have political interests that are going to be manifested in that as right. well, and we have forever. In fact, the whole the term gerrymandering, which you probably know, comes from a, a colonial Massachusetts experience where they were drawing districts and they. Wanted to create one to elect a particular politician, uh, Mr. Jerry, and it ended up being so, uh, having so many tentacles and so many curves and turns that it reminded them of a salamander. So they called it the gerrymander. Right. And we have that. We, we certainly have that certainly dy- dynamic as well. Uh, the point I want to make, though, is you can have well apportioned districts in terms of the population. Obviously, the districts can have the same population. But then gerrymandering comes in and you get the challenge of drawing the district so that you help certain interests. And, and, and by doing helping other interests, obviously, you're having an adverse impact on, right. on other districts. And, and I guess what I would say to it is uh, I don't know that you can avoid it because you're talking about a political setting. And I know uh, I haven't taught Texas politics for a long time. But when I taught Texas politics, uh, the literature, and I would always make the point that when you looked at gerrymandering, there always were certain groups that were always going to be gerrymandered Against, for example, uh, in Texas, you, you would try to uh, the the government the the, the lead redistricting process usually ended up drawing districts so that the urban interests were somewhat adversely affected and benefited the more rural interests. Uh, you had, for example, frankly, people of color minorities were adversely impacted by drawing of districts. Uh, you had liberals who were generally adversely impacted uh, districts were drawn cons- and, uh, by conservative texas is conservative and then you've got the reality that you had incumbent politicians that were already in the system right that were especially in the legislature that are drawing districts to basically protect the interest of the incumbent it, it's just it's just invariably going to happen in that regard and it, it's really hard to challenge it even constituting legally in the course as far as that goes because it become it becomes a, a very nuanced sort of an, an issue uh, some attempts to draw districts that have an adverse impact on on people of color or on minorities uh, are constitutional others are not uh, there was an attempt to uh, to try to pump up the numbers of uh, minorities and legislative assemblies uh, in the in the early 90s and the, the Supreme Court federal courts ruled that unconstitutional because it because race became a variable upon which the districts were drawn redrawn from and that was that was not acceptable so you had that uh, as well uh, and then just during the last ten years, it's been re-emphasized. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's been a, it's been emphasized that. Spain. Uh, it's been emphasized that. Now uh, uh, where was I going with that whole thing on, on that? Uh, that uh, the districts uh, they, that that it is acceptable to redistrict on the grounds of uh, trying to protect the interest of an incumbent. And that's that is just sort of uh, acceptable as part of the process and the courts have ruled that that when politicians are redrawing the districts if it's uh, being drawn to benefit the Republican Party or the Democratic Party that's an acceptable gerrymandering too so you, you have that realization as well
1: right you don't it, it it it's acceptable to try to keep somebody in the district that they represent we don't want no, to try yeah, to do draw that. somebody out yeah <laughs> out of the out of where they live, so I mean, you just have to yeah to make ways. But that's one of those you know acceptable variants that that they talk about. And um, there's other. I, I think I think it's the the it can vary within like two and a half percent. I cannot I, remember exactly what yeah. the number is, but I, I was I think thinking along
2: the lines of five percent. Okay, been something along um, those those but lines. Five They're,
1: they're trying that when they create these districts, they're trying to make them equally male and female. Um, Equally, you know, and, and uh, particularly in West Texas, equally white or Hispanic, um, all they're trying to get all of the, all of those populations equally represented in in each district, which, and to have within which a, would be
2: an impossible task,
1: right? Could could, could be it is
2: because so, <laughs> yeah. you don't have population distributions that are equal, right? So it would yeah,
1: be, I mean they'll they'll take even bit. the tiniest block of people, um, yeah. in, in the computer software that they use to try to to try to find these numbers. Um, That's right. To try yeah, to make and with the
2: gerrymandering, I mean, the, the two basic strategy for gerrymanderings uh, are referred to as packing and cracking. And uh, the, the packing is simply where you are trying to enhance the voting strength of some groups, so you put that population, uh, try to concentrate in a district so they have representation. Actually, even uh, uh, even groups that are trying to minimize the voting strength of that particular population. Uh, Will will resort to packing strategies because, it takes, for example, if you can concentrate the voting strength of that population, whatever it is, in one district, then obviously that population is not having an impact in two or three districts. Right. So it's almost like give them one district, uh, and and uh, and we can live with that. So and then of course the uh, that cracking is just dividing them up to the point where they really can't uh, uh, can't really significantly impact an election and wherever they're, they're they're housed in that.
1: So. Uh, both, both, both of the senators, when I t- talked with them, um, said several times, "This, this is a first draft, um, and that we are we're weeks and months, and probably several lawsuits away from, um, yeah, from anything final." But the fact of the matter is, El Paso doesn't have anywhere else to go to find the people that they need yeah, to that's make that, this. That's about right. So I, I, I think there that there's a good chance that, yeah. that we will well, be.
2: And it becomes interesting, too, in Texas because, I think, because uh, the legislature is is the one that, that's given the responsibility to do that by our Constitution. But if they can't get it done by the end of the first regular session, after the census comes out, then the Legislative Redistricting Board comes into play. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a different set of actors. Now, they're, they're basically, the Legislative redistrict Board is a partisan group. I mean, it's made up of... You know the, the the prime officers of the executive officers of the state, and then they would be all Republican right. in this instance, uh, and they would be the ones charged with drawing the district. But if they're if they're not successful, then it, the courts come into play. So it again it ends up being a kind of an interesting sort of process. You never are you, you never know for sure which direction it's going to go. Right, and yeah. Texas
1: redistricting has a has a has a uh, unique ability to end up in the courts. It does. <laughs> Dr. Case, it thanks does. for being here.
2: Thank you. Martin,
1: did you have any questions? Uh, I did, but, you know, it's interesting when you're talking about El Paso, because of its proximity to the border, it has nowhere else to go. Right. And, and I guess every state has that issue, especially
2: with the Somebody's always on the edge, yeah. sure, yeah. and they've yeah. got to go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. And, uh, but every state, you know, when it comes to the U.S. House, obviously everybody has, every state has to have, Essentially, the same number of people in, the, in those districts that are elected to the House of Representatives in Washington. But in the state, they can manipulate it. But the state has to have whatever numbers are convenient for them. So, those are equal.
1: Thank you, Dr. Case. Thank
2: you. Um,
1: I wanted to remind everybody that the deadline to register to vote in the November constitutional amendments election is October 4th. Today is voter registration day. That's right. Today's National Voter Registration Day. Um, That's all I have for today. Um, Hear Me Out is on Facebook, where we post information about upcoming program notes and other interesting links from around the area and the state. Find us on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss a show. Search Hear Me Out Alpine and click on follow. If you missed the show, you can go back and listen to the podcast, which is uploaded about an hour after the live broadcast on Tuesdays. You can also email us at hearmeoutalpine at gmail.com. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Dr. Case.
2: Thank you.
0: As I please From down here up north And in between But baby it's a shame Cause I always feel the same When I can't see Texas from here I can't see Texas from here much about